Hi, welcome to this episode of the Blaze Podcast put together by Blaze Incorporated. I'm your favorite host, Unyema Udeze. When Sir George Buckley assumed the role of chairman and CEO at 3M in 2005, he found a company that had long been known for innovation. It had created scotch tapes, post-it notes, and thousands of other consumer and industrial products over its proud 100-plus year history. But he also found a company that was suffering from sluggish growth and has just gone through several layoffs and cost-cutting. In the four years before he arrived, capital spending has been slashed by 65% and R&D by 25%. Earnings had improved under Buckley's predecessor, but the newly installed CEO was worried about the future. The executive and the workforce he encountered when he arrived at 3M were demoralized and scarred by years of cutbacks. How could he get them to rekindle their imagination, take more risks, and become more innovative again? When Buckley asked himself why 3M wasn't enjoying solid growth, he discovered that the board and the former leaders had not made a natural link between innovation and growth. They have been solely focused on classical financial metrics such as EPS, and special growth, and economic value added, which were a measurement of how efficiently the company deployed its capital. The root of the problem, as Buckley thought, was that in the name of short-term results, innovation and growth that came along with it was being shortchanged. Buckley had to reach back into 3M's history to restate a key metric known as the New Product Vitality Index (NPVI). He examined the decline of 3M's core businesses and found that just to overcome natural attrition, at least 14% of the company's revenues must come from products introduced in the last five years. But this 14% only holds the company's year-over-year growth flat. To grow at a 4% compound annual growth rate above what the market was growing required an MPVI above 30%. Through this lens, Buckley saw that 3M's core products were dying. He found that only 8% of revenues from the company's core businesses were coming from products introduced in the previous five years. Some important divisions' MPVIs were even zero, where new products development and innovation had been eliminated. That means 3M's core product lines were wasting away faster than new product lines could replace them, says Buckley. Buckley took another extraordinary step to review 3M. For many years, 3M's engineers and scientists have been allowed to spend 15% of their time roughly a day per week, inventing and developing whatever products they wanted to, not those directed by the company. Of course, that cost money, but this arrangement had produced many successful products over the years, including the legendary Post-it Note. 15% free time program had been eliminated a few years earlier in a drive to make R&D more efficient. Buckley was apart on hearing this a few weeks after arriving at 3M, and as for creativity and innovation, he immediately reinstated it. By the time he took mandatory retirement at 65 in 2012, Buckley had grown the share of new products launched over the previous five years from 8% of sales to 34% of sales. And if you look at the company's performance over the long haul, 3M stock from the time Buckley took the helm in late 2005 to 2017 when his lieutenant became the CEO and continued his long-term strategy has more than tripled. What Buckley knew from previous experience was that you can't compete in today's environment without spurring cutting-edge R&D. You get better results not by squeezing a lemon, but by planting more lemon groves, said George Buckley. This story is extracted from the book Why Long-Term Thinking is Your Best Short-Term Strategy by Dennis Carey, Brian Dumain, Michael Usim, and Rodney Zemmer. The question I'm pushed to ask after hearing this story is, 
why is a strong R&D caution missing in most architecture, engineering and construction firms. But don't take my word for it. According to the 2021 industrial report on the utilization of design and construction of class 2 buildings in New South Wales, close to 40% of the interviewed firms on average invest less than 1% of the annual turnover on R&D activities. So in this episode of the Blaze Connected Construction Podcast Series, I'll explore some critical reasons why we need more R&D in AEC firms. Why many research works are ongoing in academic and research institutions across the globe. This podcast focuses on R&D activities within business corporations in the bio sector. So the first reason why AEC firms need more R&D is to bring about less reliance on other sectors. It doesn't take much effort to observe that the bio sector relies heavily on other industries for much of its digital transformation journey. Firstly, we rely on IT sector for the tools we use for design, document management, construction management, to name a few. And secondly, we rely on other industries for much of the services and gadgets that go into modern-day facilities. These are deeply growing issues, but they have consequences. One of the globally identified barriers of digital transformation in the bio sector is the high cost of software licenses. So while we may not create tools from scratch to rival the existing ones, we can actively contribute to the development and deployment of these tools. But this is only one of the barriers. Another important barrier is inadequate design fees. And this is a reflection of low perceived value from a lot of firms in the AC sector. Though the solution goes beyond contributing to software development, the solution has a lot to do with offering more values as an industry to our customers. And this causes more R&D efforts towards solving pressing sector problems, thus creating more value as an industry. For example, how do we solve the global housing crisis at scale and make homes more affordable? But on the other hand, to increase the value of our facilities over the years, we've had to gradually manage them with loss of services and gadgets. In recent years, this has brought about the infiltration of products from the tech giants into our facilities and has got users questioning their privacy within the facilities. When tech giants possess more data on user experience within facilities than the industry professionals, that poses a threat to the industry. Hence, more R&D activities need to be channeled towards creating unified smart buildings managed by integrated facility management systems, FMS. This requires a ground-up vertical integrated approach as against this integrated delivery process mostly found in the build sector today. In simple terms, how do we create more innovation from within the build sector, not imported from other industries? We will never be able to answer these questions if we don't research more as an industry. The second reason why AC firms need more R&D activities is to offer better products and services to end users. I mean, we spend as much as 90% of our lives in buildings, but do we identify with our personal spaces as much as we identify with these smart little gadgets that penetrated our lives less than 20 years ago? The beauty sector is one of the oldest sectors, perhaps as old as fashion and agriculture. But while the industry has evolved through civilizations and movements in history, the evolutions largely revolved around aesthetic and structural expressions of built assets. The concept of intelligent and smart buildings is only gaining traction in recent years as the impact of digital transformation is increasingly being felt across every sector. Of course, we made progress on the functionality of built assets and their environmental impacts in the past few decades. But beyond sustainable and near-zero buildings, how do we improve user experience in facilities based on real-time feedback from end-users? Or is sustainability more about the facilities than the users? Are we more facility-centric as an industry than user-centric? How do we analyze real-time feedback and put changes back to our facilities for an even better experience? 
how do we learn from historic data to deliver even more intelligent facilities to the end users and customers? These are questions that call for a lot of R&D attention in AC firms so that we can deliver better products and services to our customers. Another reason also why AC firms need more R&D activities is to bring about increased efficiency and productivity. According to KPNG claiming the COP 2015 construction project owner survey, just a quarter of construction projects typically come close to 10% of the original deadlines. It is also estimated globally that up to 30% of the activities on a typical construction site are wasted. During the design of facilities, collaboration and coordination is still a major challenge. Ironically, the impact of poor coordination during design is felt during the construction stage where non-resolved issues cost more money, time, and resources. In recent years, we've borrowed such concepts as lean principles from system industries to address our productivity and efficiency challenges. The challenge here is going to mechanical about these concepts as against paying more attention to people that will make the concepts prove successful. Internally, AC firms need to dedicate more R&D efforts to increase their productivity and efficiency as organizations. This will require input from all staff levels within such organizations. This will also entail automating a lot of redundant activities. Also, another reason why AC firms need more R&D activities is for profitability and business bottom line. According to Turner and Townsend International Construction Market Survey 2021, rising cost of construction, supply chain disruption, and skilled labor shortages are quickly becoming the biggest barriers to industry growth, mostly as a result of COVID-19. As witnessed from the story of 3M, a good R&D culture ultimately brings about increased profitability to an organization in the long run by optimizing efficiency and productivity while offering better value to customers and end users. An organization should naturally increase its revenue and profits. Hence, an organization should get more intentional about boosting research-related activities such as giving employees free time to invest and develop products and ideas of their own. Also, creating healthy competitions and rewarding staff for their contributions will contribute positively to the bottom line. The digitalization of business processes for better insights and improvement cannot be overemphasized. One more reason why AC firms need more R&D activities is for industry attractiveness, both to talents and investments. In recent years, there has been an increased talent dream from the built sector to more attractive sectors like IT. Even more disturbing is the current level of attractiveness to the younger generations. Through the digital transformation of the sector and concerted efforts on R&D activities, the sector should gradually get more attractive to younger talents. But beyond talents, attractiveness also has to do with investors. As the industry gets more profitable over time, it becomes more attractive to multiple investment sources. When the sector becomes more attractive to investors, it will experience a higher capital inflow that will boost R&D activities even further. But again, this calls for concerted efforts on R&D activities in the interim. So having explored all these reasons why AC firms need more R&D activities, what is the place of structural training in all of this? Closely related to R&D training, as indicated in the New South Wales 2021 report, there is generally a low level of structural staff training within firms in the built sector. Beyond remuneration, employees want to grow their skills and improve their career prospects over time. If employees have to acquire new skills on their own, it is only a matter of time before they use the new skills to seek better opportunities elsewhere. In an ideal scenario, structural training should be intertwined with R&D activities, which ultimately fuels the business bottom line. That way, employees feel like they are part of the organization's goals and mission, a part of something much bigger than their day-to-day -day tasks and to-dos. But how do we bridge the gap between academia and industry? There are numerous research projects, 
both sponsored and non-sponsored ongoing various academic and research institutions across the globe. Unfortunately, lots of these works do not make it to industrial application on a wide scale. How do we create a natural link between industry and academic research in the peace sector? This is a question that begs for answers. So to conclude this episode of the Blaze Connected Construction Podcast Series, it's important to mention that research is an integral part of the STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics disciplines. Research has enabled the automobile and logistics industries to conquer the Earth and their talking space missions. Without research, we probably would have been wiped out by some virus several years ago. But how come in the peace sector, an average firm invests less than 1% of its annual turnover on research-related activities? And yet, we expect to compete with tech giants when it comes to transforming our industry and offering more values. If we keep looking at it from a day-to-day perspective, we will be fixated on low profit margins and endless pressures on ongoing projects. To become more attractive and productive as an industry in the new world order, we need to strike a balance between innovation and growth, and this requires long-term strategic implementation of digital transformation, R&D, staff training, to name a few. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Blaze Podcast. Don't forget to check out our website www.blazemy.com www.blazemy.com You can also check out my page www.ony.me www.onyema.me to explore our other several contents. Thank you very much and I'll see you in some other episode.